Ross Ulbricht is serving a double life sentence without parole for all nonviolent charges for creating a website. Please help free this peaceful man. Go to freeross.org and sign and share the petition. So it's little wonder that smart shoppers everywhere take time out to pause and refresh. And where else but in the fountain where they serve ice-cold Coca-Cola? The E-Militia Podcast, Episode 31, UK Gun Control, and Why It Should Matter to Americans. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the E-Militia Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by Anglo-Libertarian and myself, BR or Bloody Revolutions, and we will be discussing the topic of British gun control. So this is going to be a bit different from our standard fare. It's uh, just the two of us, and we're coming to you with a more educational, um, less conversational topic. We're going to be really delving into the history of this. And uh, for the sake of our audience, um, it's going to be going to be family friendly, um, heavily inspired by Pat from Uncensored Tacticals episode on um, gun control from his series, um, Never Owned, no, Importance of Gun Ownership. And the episode in particular that inspired me to do this one was Never Owned a Gun, episode 125 with Matt from the Status Quo Guesting. It was a brilliant episode on um, sort of the the myths of uh, gun ownership and like how important it is to culture and such. And we're going to be looking at a different side of that, um, sort of gun control as a tactic by the state, how it how it works, and kind of a case study on how it has uh, taken place in the UK um, and how it's, it's not a uniquely British problem, how it's been allowed to take place, but rather how it's a, it's a universal tactic that we see in every country. Um, so in that uh, vein, this is not just focused on just our regular audience. We really want to um, expand who we're reaching with this one because it is purely uh, educational. So um, a little bit on why we're the ones to tell you about this. Um, so background on us, uh, I am a, so we're both British libertarians. Um, I myself have quite the history with gun ownership. Um, I've been shooting my whole life. Uh, I've briefly worked in the British gun industry. For those who don't know, I worked at a gun shop at a premier uh, British shooting shop. They had uh, like, precision rifles uh they did uh, manufactured suppressors um, i'm not gonna drop any names because my boss will hunt me down um and and then i also trained at the royal military academy sandhurst um and so i've been around rifles shooting um, guns my whole life it's just part of part of my life but uh that's not so common for the average brit um but, uh, <laughs> yes yes i'm and just here so- for moral support <laughs> <laughs> Anglo is very 
Anglo-Libertarian, uh, very well versed in um, history, uh, philosophy, etc. Um, we're two British libertarians. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta speak you up. Um, two gun rights absolutists from Britain. We do exist. Um, sadly, there's not more, but uh, th there are those of us who don't believe in the Second Amendment, but the natural right to own firearms. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll get into that. Um, so I think a good thing to start off now that we have our admin out of the way is the history of British gun control, gun culture, um, warrior culture, if we're heading back far enough. And so um, a lot of Americans see Britain as a very sterile, very controlled, um, kind of spineless society because uh, it's been a long time, or so you'd think, since we could carry a gun on our hip, since we owned our right to self-defense. Um, it's not quite so far back as you'd think, which is the disturbing thing of how quick these things can uh, take control of a society. And um, trying to think of a clean word for this. <laughs> what are you trying to describe? <laughs> Vacation. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Watering down of principles like the right of self-defense. Yes. Okay. that? My, edit my editing is going to be very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, all right. So, um, if we get back into the history of how we got from, um, well, how we've gone from being a com borderline completely disarmed society for all intents and purposes, uh, from the Anglo Saxon culture where we had um, warring factions vying for land and, uh, and resources and such. Um, I, the the principal turning point, I guess, goes back to William of Orange and the uh, the very first um, kind of disarmament of a, of a British people. So I don't know if you want to take this one, Angler. Okay, so a piece of British history that we're really not going to get into detail here uh, is all around the a period in British history where Protestants and Catholics just love to go out and kill each other every now and again. And during one of these events where a new king had a claim to the throne and came over and changed a bunch of stuff, William of Orange uh, came over from the Netherlands, became the King of England and introduced a document called the Bill of Rights 1689. A very, very special and uh, relevant document because within this Bill of Rights, to paraphrase because it's written in Old English and is very weird and hard to understand, uh, it outlined the civil right to bear and keep arms and i think it also mentions armor and this was in response to uh how in the past because of this these secular wars between catholics and protestants um one side was always more disadvantaged than the other and it aims to level the playing field and say if you are alive you're allowed to defend your life that is basically as far as it goes and you can see a lot of uh, parallels here to the American Constitution and the US Bill of Rights, which says that the citizen has a right to keep and bear arms. It's a very, very similar wording to this Bill of Rights, and it's where the American one gets it from. Which begs the question, if we have a Bill of Rights going back hundreds of years that says a similar thing to the American Constitution, why do they have guns and we don't? And that's a very, very long winding road that we're going <laughs> to 
go ahead and explore. Going to give a very, uh, very trimmed down version based on um, a timeline written by P.A. Luti, a uh, particular gun rights absolutist from Britain, a uh, probably our most notable in recent history, if perhaps, perhaps all of our history. Um, so if we want to start getting into that... Um, Libertarian pie. Yes, yes. The, <laughs> so, um, Pierre Luti, he, he was an advocate for not just the right to bear arms, but also uh, free speech. So he believed these, like, the citizenry had a right to, um, to the knowledge of arms, like arms making. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go out and build one, but you should be able to view um, you know, a guide on how to make a machine gun. Uh, uh, you know, uh, things like the Anarchist Cookbook, you should be able to have a guide on explosives. These, these things should not be legislated. Uh, you should have a right to any danger, you know, so-called dangerous information uh, you desire. Yeah, and one point that he really, really nailed on the head, which we can explore at the end of this episode when we're going to another topic, is that there is no such thing as, ban, as a, placing a ban on firearms. A firearm is a piece of technology. It means it's something that humans can make and use. You cannot ban firearms because to do so, you would have to ban the ability for a cap- the capability for a human to know how to make it and then operate it. And he went very far out of his way to prove this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. He, uh, so he not- there is no such thing as gun control because you can't control what people know. Unfortunately, the British government doesn't quite get this. and <laughs> They have done their damnedest. To, uh, to prove that you can control what people know, which uh, is a gross misappropriation of basic human rights. But that's a, a topic for another day. Um, so, Pierre Luzzi himself, he wrote a very detailed description of uh, sort of the timeline of how we went from uh, being the descendants of a warrior culture to just this disarmed populace that's terrified of uh of knowing that the na- their neighbors may own weapons despite it being regulated to uh almost non-existence yeah I and mean, he puts it um very well in this time like he's written for us to peruse where he tells us in 1900 uh well I'll, I'll go word for word in 1900 the british government trusted the people with firearms and to be their own guardians prime minister robert gasgoyne cecil what a what a very uh, aristocratic name. I'm the so Marquess glad you pronounced that one because <laughs> <laughs> also he's got a title as well, the Marquess of Salisbury. Said he would Lord of the Day when there was a rifle in every cottage in England. How weird is that of a sentence to hear? So for our oh, um, our, our lacking on vocab friends, uh, Lord is uh, it sounds negative, but he was he hoped for the day. There was yes. a rifle in every cottage in England. Absolutely. And this was a prime minister, so our, our president, the leader of the country. Three years after that statement, a very uh, direct statement was made, as Lucy tells us, the first ever gun control law, which was a minor one, uh, permitting requiring a permit to carry a handgun and restricting the, restricting the age of purchasers. It was the first tow over a slippery slope towards complete firearms prohibition. And he's absolutely right. A hundred years later, the right to bear arms would be, for all intents and purposes, non-existent. Oh, yeah. I mean, some Brits would consider (laughs) even talking about the right to bear arms borderline terrorism. Um, 
Uh, whereas in the early 1900s the, and the late 1800s, um, bicycle magazines would have ads for uh, concealed carry pistols that you could have on your person um, for comfort during bike rides. Yeah. <laughs> I have think, you ever seen oh, those? Um, you, you showed me one and I thought it was especially funny how in the advert it said like, never fear a tramp again. <laughs> yep. so yeah. You've got these British old gentleman chaps in their top hats riding around on bicycles shooting homeless people. That's, that's <laughs> quite a picture. I'm quite safe now that I have a, a Mike Derringer. Um, Be gone, peasant. Back, back, back. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm sure it happened. But um, <laughs> yeah. so around, uh, around that time period, it was perfectly acceptable in a not a gun magazine, a bicycle magazine, to advertise um, a pistol for personal defense. And before then, this was, I mean, as, as long as firearms have been around, a, this was a perfectly acceptable thing, because of course it is. Of course you should have a right to defend yourself. That's just, yeah. you know. How, how, is, how could you argue with that? If an animal doesn't have claws or teeth, it's usually prey. And people, luckily, <laughs> adopted the same kind of mannerisms. It's, it's just common sense. But um, as we well know, uh, government doesn't quite follow common sense and we will we will be seeing much of that mm -hmm. um, um, so we, we start to get into how so lucy doesn't give us a reason in why 1903 the first ever gun control law a minor one well he calls it a minor one was passed but in 1919 uh this was a very very turbulent time in the history of the western world i i'd like to the the government started to use the precedent of communist insurgents and anarchists from all over the world just causing havoc and we know this to be true because there was the haymarket affair which was a anarchist communist attack in i think it was new york it was somewhere in america um where an anarchist set off a time bomb uh, in a gathering of people i think it might have even been like a union strike and killed a bunch of innocent people so the red scare was around before the cold war and this was the precedent that the the big gun control act, the nineteen twenty firearms act, was enacted in this country. And yes, and government will never let a good tragedy go to waste. If there if, if there's something happening in another part of the world and it makes, you know, world news, uh, I mean people are gonna be fearful. What are you gonna do about it? You know, something must be done. There must be a law. And so the government rubs its hands together and goes you're quite right would you like a law <laughs> and they slap <laughs> one down worry, we'll give you one it doesn't matter how relevant it is as we will see uh in a in a, <laughs> a suit an example we'll, we'll tell you about soon um but really any excuse to clamp down a little bit more control uh they will take it mm -hmm. and the so the way that they go on to infringe your rights here is a already egregious crime uh where British subjects, there is keen to note, could now only buy a firearm if they could show a good reason for having one. Apparently, being a, so, here's 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 what the government says: there's anarchists and communists running around everywhere, killing everyone. Why do you need a firearm? Yeah, like um, maybe because there's communists and anarchists running around killing everyone. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. The lot. Oh, and an important thing to note. Um, for non-Brits and perhaps even for you, Anglo. Um, so uh, British firearm law uh, differentiates a firearm from a shotgun, which is interesting. Uh, and okay. We'll get into it. So we'll, we'll get into it in a little bit, but a firearm would be like your, uh, you know, your rifles, pistols, 
and then uh, shotguns are a separate thing. So this is only legislating uh, rifles and pistols, whereas uh, okay. shotguns are still viewed as like a completely different implement um, to later be legislated in its own way. Just to yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so out. different in the, in the way that he uses a fire control group and a primer and then projectile to shoot out of a barrel. I mean, poof. Well, I mean, I mean, we never, we never said government knew what they were talking about. <laughs> that's a, well, that's a very bad assumption to ever make. Okay, so, so a good reason. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. This next bit on 1936 is a is a big one. Oh, well, we still got a bit on 19. So. Okay. So um, you could now only buy a firearm if you could show a good reason. And so a firearm certificate system, uh, the same one that's still in use today, and that I unfortunately partook in uh, as, a firearm, as a British firearm owner. Um, so that's still around from 1919. Uh, so I, I always forget the, the quote in its entirety, but um, a right given up temporarily is a right gone forever. It's a liberty mm-hmm. that will never be returned. Um, I mean, 1919, they had a fear of uh, communist insurgents and domestic and foreign anarchists. And still today, they're like, well, uh, you know, terrorists. So we still need this. Um, So, uh, yeah, the firearms certificate came about, um, implemented and abused by police. Uh, Pierre Luthi is keen to note. Um, The 1920 Gun Control Act was the beginning of the end for private firearms, he goes on. Um, firearm ownership in England. So much for Robert Gascoigne Cecil's remarks of a rifle in every cottage in England being a laudable goal. And so, yeah, I mean, it mostly right. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm common as muck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have your radio voice for these pronunciations. I'm gonna have to that every time there's I'm like not a common. Ah, every time there's a, a pronunciation, you're educated. Um, every time there's well, a pronunciation, hang on, hang on, you just you you just said pronunciation. <sighs> now that. It's a travesty. Leave me alone. I'm common. <laughs> Let's get on with um, Yes. Um, every time there's a pronunciation, I'm just going to go silent until Stop. you say it. You did it again. <laughs> Pack it in. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yeah, we, we jump from... Um, I mean, people, when I say Wild West, people think, you know, Indians and bandits. But we, we, we jump from um, pre-1900 having, you know, Guns are just a tool that you would own, the same as a hammer. To uh, we now have to have a permit to ha- to carry a handgun for defense, and mm. restricting the age of who can have one. So within, already, this is in, this is within twenty years, and for no actual reason. Yes, uh, yeah, it's incredible. So, yeah, the first twenty years of gun control, you now have to have a permit to defend yourself. You have to be a certain age to defend yourself, and then they go on. And say um, you have to have a good reason for having a for having a firearm, and we have to know where it is. Like firearms, <laughs> it's effectively if for our American friends, think of the certificate system as a method of registration because it is registration. It, you, it uh, is exactly that. Yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> uh, absolutely totalitarian in how they document you. Um, I'll get into the specifics of the firearms license later, but. Um, it's, it, so a good reason they'll say, uh, 
oh, you already have a 308. Um, do you really need a 308 6? They're kind of similar. You already have one. You don't need another caliber that's similar to that. You've already got a 30 cal. Or uh, they'll say, you've already got 122. You don't need another one. And so the, they dictate what you are allowed to own. It's not like you get a firearm certificate and then you're a firearm owner. You still, it's completely up to your firearms officer, which again, I'll get into in a bit what that quite means. But um, they, they decide what you can have. Every little piece of property they permit you to buy is up to them, their discretion. Lovely. And that's by 1920. <laughs> yeah. We still got another 100 years of journey to come. Mm -hmm. Right. So, on to 1936 then. So, in 1936, short barreled shotguns were outlawed. And the question is why? Uh, it was, there's no, there is no evidence I have seen of this sort of method of firearm being used in any sort of crime which again isn't even a good reason enough in itself but uh the government's reason was that civilians had no legitimate reason for owning them despite the fact that short barrel shotguns are incredibly useful if you don't live in the city i guess that's something that the politicians frequently fail to realize <laughs> it's not just i mean it's not even defending your life at that point it's using it on your property uh for the reason that he gives was um using it for ratting which like if you live in the countryside that's just something you have to do and now the government says you've got no legitimate reason as if they have any sort of capacity to tell you what you do or don't have reasons for to do with your own property but there we are well the government knows how you should live your life to the fullest um they are of course. the experts on that all hell government um so interestingly the same year they uh they banned fully automatic firearms they were outlawed mm -hmm. in 1936. And so it's, it's really crazy. Um, was, that, was that after? Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to get into US gun control. Anyway. Um, oh, the NFA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's around yeah. the same time. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. What, what's crazy to me is they were allowed up until that point. You'd think full auto firearms would be the, the first thing they'd hit because they're <laughs> so crazily dangerous. But um, I think it's kind of telling it's not the first thing that uh, government went for. They were scared yeah. of, of uh, you know, terrorists in 1919, and yet it would be like almost another 20 years before they got to full auto firearms, mm -hmm. like a completely different government by that point. Yeah, and they were going after shotguns and things first, which, like, if you're a terrorist, that's not your first weapon of choice. And clearly, that, that's not the, the people they were going out to criminalize. It's clearly yeah. for control over the populace. Yeah, and that's, that's the, uh, the real silent uh, game being played in the background of all this. It's for every demonstrated purpose, there's something kind of quite sinister going on in the background. And they get... They get less and less veiled as the populace is less and less armed. Like eventually it's just borderline, like, you know, up yours, you can't have this. <laughs> There's less and less legitimacy given because mm -hmm. they don't feel the need to, uh, to calm down the, the populace because they're unarmed. Why, why do I care what they think? Exactly. They yeah. guns. What are you going to do about it? I say you can't have it and I say so. So that's it. 
you literally can't do anything about it. So how far does that go? So um, Lucy goes on. Um, <laughs> the re- um, another slide down the slippery slope. The reasoning has now changed from the government needing to show reasons for the restrictions to the people to needing to show reasons to exercise their rights to a government telling them that there was no acceptable reason. So again, nanny state being nanny state, telling you how to live your life, as we were saying. Um, The English Bill of Rights states that the subjects which are Protestants may have arms for their defense. I'll just just, say, well, it just goes back to the Bill of Rights we talked about earlier. Yeah. So um, Protestants may have arms for their defense suitable to their condition and as allowed by law. Um, So that's kind of an interesting one. Suitable to their condition and as allowed by law. So effectively... It's not a right. Yeah. Um, your Bill of Rights say, as the law allows you to have them. So it's not quite a right anymore, <laughs> which yeah. it's such a fundamental flaw in the way uh, you know, the English Bill of Rights was set up. It's, it's like we can, tap on, we can tack on a sticky note at any moment and your right becomes a privilege, which it always was because of the, the way this was stated. Um, it's... I think it's why the the founders, the American founders, focus so much more on natural rights rather than uh, legal rights. But you know, uh, this, they, they can still fall into this trap with how the Second Amendment says that the right of the militia to keep and bear arms. Everyone then says, "Well, that means the army." And yeah, it's, it's no how, you can try and make it really, really clear, and people will still claw and grab as many straws as they can to disarm the, <laughs> the, the people. I'm literally grasping at straws. Uh, so, uh, where does that bring us to? Um, oh, okay. Oh, so, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, they go, they go on about um, these various statutes uh, are a public allowance rather than a natural right of resistance and self-preservation. So, um. When the sanctions of society and laws are found insufficient to restrain the violence of oppression, um, they, they're kind of going on. Uh, they, they really tiptoe around what is and isn't your right to own arms. And like it, it's, again, just subject to the whim of a, a changing um, government. Like whoever's in charge dictates what your rights are. It's just all liquid as hell. It, nothing is permanent. They're not rights at all, despite the, uh, <laughs> the the title of the bill that was written in the English Bill of Rights. Yeah, a very a very recurring theme throughout British politi- uh, British political history, and I want to also add how this whole debacle we're talking about right now just took place in 1936. Prime Minister at the time, a man named Stanley Baldwin, Prime Minister for the Conservative Party. <laughs> what is it Conservatives like to tell us? They're the ones who believe in a classical liberalism and the right to be free so and the same rhetoric they said then is the same rhetoric that republican party says now and then goes against everything they say and just proceed to strip you of your rights regardless because because they're allowed to when they say we're the party of freedom anything they do gets a pass and is excused by the voters and this is how you get down the slippery slope Oh yeah, absolutely. To the point that um, right-wing god, President Reagan, um, he was one of the best gun grabbers in recent history. And no one remembers him for it, apart from uh, gun rights absolutists. He, he gets a free pass. 
it's it's always blamed on the left but really um something to absolutely nail home if you learn nothing else from this episode it is the individual versus government in terms of uh hanging on to your rights it's not the left versus right the right has done nothing for your right to bear arms they have mm-hmm. taken their foot off the accelerator by like two miles per hour they they really and sometimes they stamp down on it they're outright the ones who pass legislation effectively because if they're the ones behind it there's no one else to fight back exactly it, they they make the best gun grabbers. No doubt. Um, so here's where uh, history gets very fun because we're, we're getting into World War II when um, an, a land invasion of Britain was seeming uh, possible. And uh, for non-Britons um, uh, out in the countryside of Britain, um, it's very common to come across uh, pillboxes, uh, defenses designed to resist a uh, a German invasion, and uh, there was also uh, weapon caches uh, put around like farms, um, yeah, buried in various locations. Machine guns, explosives uh, intended for if the defense of mainland Britain failed, for there to be a British insurgency against uh, an occupying German force. And so, all of a sudden, the government's like, "Oh my God." The British people don't have guns. <laughs> As a consequence, a direct consequence of the 1920 Gun Control Act, because they reduced it to a, a permit, a license. You have to go through bureaucracy and jump through hoops. Your your hammer you can go down to the hardware store and buy suddenly becomes this elusive item you have to uh <laughs> you have to uh bargain with the government to have access to. Of course, the hammer is not a hammer, it's a gun but just another tool. Uh, so anyway. Hang on, um, so what you're, what you're telling me here is that guns were banned to protect us, but now we can't protect <laughs> ourselves because we have no guns. Yeah. That's, Oof, that's insane, isn't that it? Coming? So while, while, mainland, uh, while the mainland United States had a rifle behind every blade of grass, Britain okay. had a rifle behind um, <laughs> lots of red tape. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we weren't ready for a mainland invasion. And we were much more at risk of it. We had the channel uh, between us and, and the biggest war of the century. And, <laughs> and we're, we're just sitting there twiddling our thumbs, hoping that um, Dad's army, and I'm not going to get into the history of that, <laughs> but um, a ragtag, like National Guard, but like armed with only items you could find at yard sales. <laughs> yeah. Don't panic, Mr. Mannering. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was a disaster of a defense force it was such it was made up of um people who weren't ready to go and fight on the mainland so uh the elderly and the exceptionally young um armed with pointy sticks with uh you know knives taped to the end and the very rare uh privately owned rifle and then a few handed out by government from uh various yeah i think early on it's essentially no firearms training because they had no ammunition to do it with either (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because it, it was all going to the front. And so um, it, it came to the point, Britain had to ask American citizens to send them every type of rifle and handgun at the outbreak of World War II. So uh, the British people would have a mean of defending their home <laughs> against an invading Nazi force. Um, and, and the Americans quite, quite kindly responded by sending every type of firearm they had to the unarmed and helpless people of Britain. Can they do it um, again? <laughs> yeah oh yes yes please 
please engage in that again. <laughs> if you feel like uh, doing that, I'm all for it. Be very appreciative. Um, but no surprise, typical British government. By the end of the war, the British people did not get to keep the guns. The government seized them, uh, seized most of them back, dumped them in the sea, which was uh, not very, not very thankful of them to the Americans. It's just like, oh, thanks for the uh, guns, the, the lease. We don't okay. need them anymore. <laughs> and and uh, Pierre Lucy remarks, such was the British government's gratitude to the American public and distrust of their own people. So they armed them in a time of emergency and decided they were, they were to be trusted then, mm-hmm. but then immediately, immediately it was a danger to public safety afterwards. Yeah. So Hitler's dead and now you're a criminal. Yeah, now, now you're the, the next big danger to us. Yeah. It's, a, it's such an insane shift of, uh, of like what's, what's okay for the citizenry to have. It's, there is just no groundwork like this is how the law works or how we perceive the British public. It's just like, it's, it's liquid. That's the only way to say it. It's just so liquid. You know, the, the logic here as well, at the time, we didn't know that World War II was going to be the last major conflict for the next so, so long. Like it was only 20 years before that we were in the Great War and then we had an yeah. even bigger war. And so, I mean, it, you don't need to put two and two together to say the government should have thought there's a possibility this could happen again. So why are we going to yeah. dump this all in the sea and then go c- crying to the Americans again when we need them? Luckily, fortunately, yeah. this didn't happen. But, I mean, how would you know back then? You'd have no idea. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it, <laughs> there was a, the threat of um, the USSR immediately after the war like the second the second hitler was toppled um they were looking at the russians like oh i wonder what's going to happen there <laughs> yeah um god it's, it's insane it really it doesn't a, t- a 5 year old could make more sense of this oh absolutely i mean it, like i say it, it's common sense it's just a comp- or rather a complete um a complete act of ignoring common sense there's not hint of common sense in British uh, gun law or weapon law. Any, um, any gun law. It's happening not around the world. Definitely not yeah, exclusive so, to us. So um, we get to 1946, just after the war ends. Uh, self-defense was no longer considered a good reason for acquiring a police-issued firearm certificate. The slippery slope got even steeper, Pierre Luti remarks. And quite right, because <laughs> now going from a nation being armed yeah, as an emergency uh, precaution to invasion, literally to defend themselves. Yeah, self-defense of their land, their their person, their property, their nation. To yeah. to um, if you're out on the street and someone's trying to mug you at knife point, self-defense isn't appropriate anymore. You and um, I, th- this is this isn't just limited to uh, you know carry out on the street. This is uh, this goes to the extent it's of. Yeah, for, for self-defense, if you grab, uh, I mean, to this day, if you grab your shotgun, middle of the night, which should be in a locked safe attached to an interior wall, bolted to the wall, um, if you grab a shotgun and kill a home intruder in the middle of the night, you will go to prison for premeditated murder. And this happened. Tony Martin, look him up. Yep. 1999. Yep. And uh, the worst thing is, uh, we, we remarked in an early episode uh, joking about self-defense lamps, but if you grab a baseball bat 
in the middle of the night. And uh, this would be a shocker to our American friends, but baseball is not the pastime of in, in England. <laughs> um, if you grab a baseball bat in the middle of the night uh, and use it to defend yourself, the cop's first question will likely be, why do you have a baseball bat next to your bed? Do you play baseball? And <laughs> you're going to get nailed to the wall for, for having something, because it's a premeditated uh, weapon, premeditated weapon. You, if you don't use it for sporting, why do you have it? Yeah, and the, 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 government, the government will tell you that no, if you kill someone in self-defense, it, 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 it's it's normally justified. But if you have a knife in your bedside table and use it against an intruder, you're a murderer. If you are somehow lucky enough to make it to the kitchen and grab a knife out of your cutlery drawer and use it, apparently that's okay. The yeah, end result so... is you've stabbed a hope <laughs> intruder. What difference does it make? Yeah, how prepared they they punish you for being prepared. Yeah. They want I, you to be killed in your own home than kill someone for entering your home. It's just, <laughs> it's insane. It's, it's, there's no other word for it. It's, yeah, there's really no insane. common sense to it. It's just this nanny state, like just rely on the cops. And um, in uh, Uncensored Tacticals episode, they, they go into detail about why, even when the cops arrive on scene, <laughs> there's no guarantee they're going to save you. Um, but I'll leave that to their episode to go into detail and absolutely tear that um, argument of just call the police to ribbons. Um, especially in England where you don't always have, where you commonly do not have armed officers responding to a situation. So <laughs> you might get a couple of cops arrive, know that there's someone with a knife inside, and then have to call armed backup, which then delays, uh, <laughs> de- delays your supposed rescue even further, especially if you're rural, which a lot of England is rural. Um, well, I, I, I would, I'd like to ask you then, uh, in 1953, when this was all, <laughs> when it all came to a head, could you tell me who was the prime minister of this country? What? I'll, give you, I'll give you a very big hint. Was he, a, was he a war hero? Yeah. Yeah. Winston was... Churchill, the man himself. Well, National he was... hero and, and, you know, yeah, he's, figure uh... of British freedom and defiance and resistance. We shall fight them on the beaches. No, you're not even allowed to fight them in your own home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so carrying any type of weapon for self-defense was made illegal in 1953. This doesn't mean carrying a knife and a pistol was made illegal. This means carrying a taser, carrying a baton, a baton, like anything intended for self-defense. If you carry a uh, a plastic knuckle duster, if it's intended for self-defense, a any type of weapon for self-defense. You're breaking the law to this day. I mean, what what the hell's a weapon? I could put keys in between my knuckles and punch someone. Is that a weapon? Am I not allowed to have house keys? I think so. I think if you had keys that were like kind of designed, they were clearly designed to be used defensively. Like there might be, I'm sure it's out there somewhere where they've got like key looking self-defense weapons. They would be illegal. If it's clearly intended for self-defense, you would get I well, I am sure if I if I just put my regular house keys between my knuckles and punch someone, then they would find a way to say I was using a weapon with deadly intent. I guarantee it. it. It would be on the table, depending on like. Oh, their... they try it. They try it. There's that. There's no doubt in that. Yeah, but um, I mean, we don't even have to go that far to to not be able to carry a uh, a non-lethal, and you should you have every right to carry a lethal weapon on you in in our yep. opinion. But um. It, even in a a culture that supposedly lacks like a, a firearm culture, etc., 
a uh, a warrior culture any sort of um reviewed as finest so it should be oh a, a non-lethal weapon great carry those that's lovely that's very flowery and you know peaceful of you nope <laughs> can't even do that it's just like just just call the police you bigot like <laughs> you you horrible violent person you 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 villain <laughs> just just get raped and call the police just get mugged call the police if you carry a knife you're a you're a gangster if you carry a taser you're you're just waiting to hurt someone that's their opinion but you, you, and you know what br we need to stress this for people in america listening he's not joking <laughs> this is this is no. he's 100 percent serious it's it's uh I mean, our legal system is a joke, but it, this is not a joke. Yeah. Um, you can't even, you can't even like, like we were saying earlier, you couldn't even have a taser for home defense. It's not just carrying, on it, carrying it on you in public. It's owning it. Mm-hmm. Self-defense is not allowed unless it's like in a, in a bid for desperation, you grab a lamp and hit an intruder over the head or... Whatever's to the left or right of you, that's like the only acceptable thing. If you, if there's any sort of premeditated, like, oh well, he had a cricket bat and he's not in any clubs, he doesn't play even recreationally. His his mum said so. You know, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> um. So it it's a real rapid descent from here. We go. It's a full on vertical drop. <laughs> the next few years we're gonna hit. <laughs> so um, in 1967, a chap. And again, P.A. Lutie's elegant wording. A chap by the name of Harry Roberts blasted three policemen to death in a London street using a 9mm Luger pistol. And the British government restricted shotguns for the very first time. Round of applause. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> let's, let's let that one hang in the air for a second. A man yeah. used a 9mm pistol to kill people. And then the government decided, what a grand tragedy. Let's limit shotguns. <laughs> what? What's, what's our government got against shotguns? They did the same with the anarchists back <laughs> in 1920. They just hate shotguns. Well, so, so that was, uh, that was short-barreled shotguns being banned. So this is the first time we see shotguns licensed. So this is why I differentiated earlier. A firearm is a rifle or pistol, and a shotgun is a separate device. So shotguns now are also licensed. So you have a firearms license if you want to own a rifle or a pistol up until this point, and then you have a shotgun license. Two separate things. You have to pay money to the state to buy your rights back. Well, a little bit of your right, a crumb of your right. Um, So yeah, shotguns, (laughs) they're like, sweet. Um, Tragedy, outrage, 67, cops killed, three good uh, roses in blue. Um, yep. <laughs> let's uh, let's ban something else. And so uh, shotguns license again. Again, um, there's a, a crime happens in London. Let's punish the rural population for this. Yes, <laughs> all the time. So um, it's just another case of the uh, the government being opportunistic. This isn't some caring um, entity that's like, oh well. I, let's do a study on pistol. Let's see how dangerous these are out in the hands of the public. Let's see, is this a common murder weapon? It's like, no, guns. Guns are bad. Ban shotguns. This is a good time to make a move on shotguns. Let's just yeah, <laughs> p- p- put a list of the different kinds of guns there are on a dartboard. Throw a dart, whichever one hits, it's gone. Yeah. So um, now we get into another action. Um, 
that seems about, oh, I don't know, 63 years too late. Um, so in, in 1919, they were scared of uh, anarchists and communists after the, the bombing in uh, New York. And so 1982, they started jumping on black powder muzzle loaders um, because obviously you have to have access to black powder. Um, you'd think if they were so scared of a bomb threat, maybe instead of a firearms license back in 1919, they would have looked into powder, you know, because it was an explosive threat. But no, they're, they're just getting around to them. They'll get around to all of them, don't you worry. But in, the, in commies, the commies did like to use guns as well. There is, there is. They that. did, they did. But <laughs> in this particular, it's just, just like the uh, shotgun and pistol thing. Like, there's a there's a handgun attack, and so they ban shotguns. They mm-hmm. they they saw an explosive attack in a different country, <laughs> three thousand miles away, and they jump on firearms. It's just. Again, that opportunistic, um, you know, let's go for X because we have an opportunity because of Y. It, they don't line up. They don't make any sense. It's just tragedy action. Doesn't, it's not A, B, it's A, and then like 42. They yes. don't line up. It, it's nuts. Uh-huh. Um, so it, this, this is where they get crazy intrusive. And like I said, um, the more disarmed the populace gets, the more brazen they get with the actions they just write into law. There's, um, so black, pow- black powder muzzle loader shooters and hand loaders were required oh, to which, allow police inspection. Sorry? Say which year it was as well. Oh, so 1982, black powder muzzle loader shooters and hand loaders were required to allow police inspection of their security arrangements to ensure safe storage quotation marks, of the powder they possessed, meaning that agents of the state could demand entry into an Englishman's home at any time of day or night without a warrant. Because the government knows all about safe storage. It's not like they lose really important things all the time. Yeah, yeah. Civil asset forfeiture is not a thing. Um, And so a few years before you lost lost the big push with the NFA uh, under good old Ronnie Reagan, um we had something that was even worse than red flag laws enacted in 1982. Um, again, this kind of time period for context, there's a lot of upheaval politically. You've got the punks out in the streets scaring the hell out of a uh, good old Thatcher. Um, so really any opportunity to uh, reduce um, sovereignty of the individual means um, more security for the state in the eyes of our neocon rulers. Um, so they can demand entry into anyone any muzzle loader, hand loaders home, uh, any time of day, because they're a security risk. So they, it's just your door, your, your private domicile is now just an open door to the state. You have lost your right to privacy. Just like that. <laughs> yep. And it's and crazy that. intrusive because it's not just gonna be a knock on the door and a chat over tea. It's gonna be, it's gonna be them demanding to search your house. They want to see where it's stored and then probably search your other storage areas yeah and you can't say no they're going in your house no matter what you say about it and again no reason for this it just happened out of nowhere because they can they can just do whatever they want now yeah it it becomes less opportunistic and more just this is what we're going to do now again like i said vertical descent into uh hardcore gun control not a little slope not a little not a little oh action reaction just full speed because um, there's nothing you can do about it if you don't like it tough shit. you've got no way to stop it now 
<laughs> yeah, and, and so we we reach uh, 1988, and this is where um, kind of where it ends. I mean, not where gun control ended, but for the uh, the ability to have any form of resistance against um, uh, hostile entities, uh, all semi-automatic rifles were banned, including pump-action rifles. The personal property. So this is 1988. The personal property of law-abiding people was once again outlawed and seized. All the guns were registered and easy to find. That is to say, all the legally held ones, PMG hmm. wants to note. So, the gun registration system at this point had been uh, active for uh, about 60, 70 years. So, actually, yeah, 60 years. So, um, they had, you're you're a few generations into uh, gun owners. Just this is what they do now. There's the rebellious energy of gun owners who might have been disgruntled. Like they've grown up. This is just what gun ownership is. Um, there's no network like we have today, where you know we can all hop on Instagram and be like, you know, tyrants. <laughs> what are we going to do about it? You, yeah. you just all you have your clubs and you all sort of mill about. All six of you, because it's not. <laughs> Shootings, this, this is a very small culture in England. Um, and so... Uh, there is a YouTube of... channel called English Shooting, so if you want to see what it's like, <laughs> go ahead. Of... See every single British gun owner. Um, yep, there's like five per video. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, semi-automatic rifles. I mean, in the, in the US, we're already castrated as to, uh, to what arms you might own from the... Uh, you know that the private ownership of battleships in the uh, post-revolutionary era to um, to the semi-automatic, uh, you know, variants, bastardized versions of military rifles uh, we have now. You are not equal to the state, and if you're not equal to the state, you're a subject. Mm-hmm. And so this this is the last nail in the coffin for uh, for Brits being anywhere near able to resist. Um, <clears throat> their government and they're already like just buggered <laughs> and so so this was 1988 previous thing we mentioned was uh 1982 so i'd like to ask you again who was the prime minister throughout all of the 1980s <laughs> let me guess were they right wing oh very apparently <laughs> oh god i just as a side note do you remember when uh thatcher died and they were like <laughs> all of the hoity-toity conservatives like crying on tv no i don't remember that to be honest i didn't oh, okay. pay attention to politics at that time oh, okay so there was um there was images they were I, I don't know how they were trying to swing it but thatcher very for our american listeners as controversial as reagan was in the u.s like right-wing god and just despised by the left and so it was the same thing here when Thatcher died. It was a mix of, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and, you know what, on her grave. And, uh, and also, uh, you know, upper class conservatives weeping like, uh, <laughs> like North Koreans under a dictator. Uh, it, was, it was nuts. <laughs> um, cry for the cameras or, or be shot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at this point, uh, semi-automatic rifles, uh, although um, something to note, the only semi-automatic rifle you can have is a 22 in England to this day. Um, so, I mean, that, that takes away your right to even have somewhat of an ability to resist government. 
you still can with bolt actions and stuff, but you are so outgunned at this point. You you've been reduced to, you know, kind of kind of peasant level resistance. It's you are not an individual. You're a subject. So we have good old Maggie Thatcher to thank for this. The Iron Maiden. The after Ooh, after like church. Yeah, after Churchill, the second most uh, defiant symbol of standing up for the British and their freedoms and all that is good about this country and how, how fantastic the Britain is and how they are such a free soul compared to the communists that were around at the time, even though they weren't communists, they were socialists. And she's Reagan's partner in crime, as she's often called. The two were like peas in a pod. And what did both of those to go and do? Levy the most outrageous laws against the individual that either country has seen, arguably. Right thanks, wing God. Thanks, conservatives. Thanks for conserving our rights. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. What have you conserved? All right. Um, so this brings us to perhaps the most infamous act of British gun control for our American friends. Uh, most of them know about the 1996 handgun ban. And um, so, <laughs> yeah, because it, it, um, no one's going to conceal carry a, a rifle. And obviously, people were, we, we were distantly from uh, being able to carry uh, weapons for protection at this point, as we discussed. Um, but at this point, you can't even... Uh, so let's, let's reduce it down to how you would have a handgun uh, in 1995. So, if you wanted to have a handgun, you would have to have a firearm certificate. You would have to have a reason to own it, and a, uh, sorry, a good reason to own it, according to the government. And a good reason is not I like plinking. It's I belong to a handgun shooting club. So you have to be engaged in a sport. You can't just have it because I want a gun because I enjoy going on my property and shooting cans. You have to be part of a club or something. Wait, hang on. So um, you need to be in a club before you have the means to be in a club. Um, that that one was I. So I never did this myself. I I was fortunate enough to be rural and have land to shoot on. Um, <laughs> I, I I was never interested in me. Oh, I was interested, but I didn't have the time or money to get into clubs because it is expensive to join these things. Uh, so many of them have like, you know, there's there's gateway payments to get into clubs. There's uh. You have to pay for the firearm certificate. It's eighty-eight pounds, uh, pounds sterling to pay for the firearm certificate, and then I believe sixty-seven pounds to renew it every year. Oof. That's a fair bit of money to spend on a piece of paper to say I, I can continue to own my property. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So to get back to it, um. Yeah, you'd have to. Uh, I, I don't quite know how it works. If you'd have to express interest in joining, and you're like, oh yeah, I've got a local club. Um. And I think you might have to be in contact with them. And then they'll check up after the fact, because you have a firearms officer assigned to your case. <laughs> your case, because you're a potential criminal um, at that point. Uh, and yeah, you'll, you'll have to go through the, uh, the process of having a good reason to own a pistol. Um, so but not only have you got the feds to deal with, like the feds say, you need a good reason to own a pistol. You've then got to go to a FUD and say, can you can you convince them I've got a good reason? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it depends on if you're their kind of people. And um, I not to lord on it, but who knows? They they might 
be uh they, they could have some personal agenda against you race creed etc um yeah and again so uh your firearm certificate and shotgun certificate you have to have a note from your doctor saying you are of sound mind so uh you have to go to the doctor like have a gp and stuff a general pract- practitioner and then um the police may interview your doctor and likely will and then they have to uh, attain a note saying this person's of a sound sound mind they should be allowed to own guns it, you also you, you don't need this to become a politician a far more dangerous <laughs> proposal oh yeah you can be in charge of a uh, an army and and vote on where to send them but uh but owning a firearm no you have to have a doctor's note to say you're sane. Um, <laughs> no, it's like you're you're, off, you're trying to bunk off sick from school. It's well, stupid. That, you're actually treated like a child. That that's the uh, that's the British system. The nanny state. It is like being treated like a child. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So to not get off into the sticks here, um, you can have a a doctor that doesn't agree with with uh, with owning guns. They might think it's all stupid. Because they're an intellectual and they're above such things. I know better than you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> they, they might, you know, you wear too much black. Oh, uh, well, you know, he came in and uh, he said he was feeling a bit depressed. He's not diagnosed with depression, but you know, I don't know. He's got some mental health issues. Like anything. Oh, so, and uh, you have to outright lie about if you have any of those, like depression and stuff. Not that I would advocate lying about it, but if it, Things like that can discriminate, can uh, sorry, disqualify you like that. If you say you have depression, oh, maybe he's suicidal. Maybe he'll, he'll use a gun, or maybe he'll, uh, if, if if you're a manic depressive, maybe he'll go on a shooting rampage. You know, like they they discriminate you against you, and that's uh, that's again uh, to show you, um, Britain is the canary in the mine. You see these things enacted yeah. way back when with the firearms certificate legislation, and it's. America is just now catching up by saying, oh, red flag laws. Well, if someone's got mental health issues, we want to go in there and take their guns before we have to go through the court without due process and take the guns before they can commit a crime because of a health issue. Which might, like for some people, uh, lots of people, it's, it's ther- therapeutic to target shoot. It's just their biggest hobby. And guess what? If you take like, a firearms hobbyist guns away and they're depressed, they're probably going to get more depressed. <laughs> if that's the biggest, like for a lot of us, it is, it's the thing we love most in life. We, we really enjoy marksmanship. We enjoy the practice of it. You, if you do that, you're just harming well, the, the culture of it. It's, it, it, oh, yeah. it's, it's just, oh, it's, it's far bigger than you than just shooting at a target. Yeah, but of course, the people who make these laws have no idea about this culture. It's... No, they, they just get armed bodyguards to escort them everywhere. They don't need to bother themselves with understanding it. Oh, yeah, and just make, uh, make phallic jokes about it being you know, a compensation tactic. It's like, no, this, yeah. is, this is what I enjoy. <laughs> Say what you Come want. Come and take it. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, so again, 1996, uh, handguns banned. Um, they they were all registered and what can you do you you either get in a shootout and and get killed because i mean there's no way you're gonna escape the state in good old nanny state britain or you you roll over and you hand in your stuff and 1996 in a, a culture that had been just castrated of that rebellious attitude they they gave them up 
they just gave them all up. Um, and oh, same year, uh, 1996, carrying any knife with a blade longer than three inches was made illegal. Um, I love how yeah, you yeah, you, you, you cannot stab someone to death with a three inch knife, apparently. <laughs> it's absolutely impossible. Don't worry, the government said so. Yeah, um, you now had to show good reason. Because, oh, BR, don't, don't, BR, don't worry, I've got your back because I know that you have a horse in this race, and trust me, three inches is enough to do the job. Thank you. I needed, so. I needed, I needed to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> support your friends. Um, That's it, bros. Uh, yeah, so you now had to show good reason for carrying a knife. The presumption of innocence until proven guilty of a crime was gone. You Now, if you carry a knife longer than three inches... You're a criminal. It's presumed you are some gangster on the way to a drug deal, and that's that's your weapon. It's good reason being um, you are a hunter, and very few other reasons. Like, yeah, you can only uh, get away with in the woods. Yeah, you're in in the woods, or you're a chef going to a from work. Like, legitimately, that's a reason I have seen used and was advised to use uh, by a firearms officer who are. Uh, uh, there, there is no person more deserving of the term red coat. <laughs> firearms, <laughs> firearms officers are scum. Um, yeah. but let's not get down that rabbit hole. Uh, so, in England today, you cannot carry any type of weapon for self-defense and you cannot use a firearm to defend your home, family, or property. The gun and weapon laws have made crime safe for criminals and other violent thugs and miscreants who infest our country today. P.A. Lutie's words. And so uh, we break the 2000s. So once we break the 2000s, we really get into how ludicrous uh, gun laws are. To the point, we start legislating toy and replica guns. So in 2006, the government passed the Violent Crime Reduction Act. And I laugh because none of this has reduced crime. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll we'll get into that in just a... Actually, we'll get into it now because I'll forget. Um, So... Violent crime reduction. Um, it's a good thing they didn't use uh, you know, firearm crime reduction because <laughs> so that, that would be a very that would, be, that would be to their credit if they used that because um, sure, like the less prevalent firearms are um, eventually there's going to be less access uh, you know, there's, there's less firearms homicides. However, that is so besides the point when we come down to um, homicides, just as a general rule, because homicides did not go down. In fact, what did they do, Angler? Well, I can tell you, as a matter of fact, well, gun crime overall, not specifically homicides, but gun crime over the next four years after hand crimes were ba- after hand guns were banned, doubled. <laughs> Thank you, government. Thanks for keeping us safe by doubling crime involving the weapons you've just banned. So that, that was an interesting one. And then um, there just wasn't a reduction in homicides. That people still want to kill people just as much. But um, who'd have, yeah, who'd have thought? But we had some feel-good laws enacted, which only went and punished um, law-abiding citizens. Uh, disarming them of their right to defend themselves against people, violent uh, others. Um, 
Yeah, so Violent Crime Reduction Act is a very cute term. Again, we've been doing uh, gun control since 1900. It's now 2006. We're still throwing out these useless terms like violent crime reduction. Uh, so I'll get through this one real quick. Uh, the VCRA, for same thing, shortened, restricted all realistic toy-slash-replica toy guns. So now Britons were not to be trusted with even imitation non-firing replicas. Your airsoft, your uh, prop guns, etc. Is this shit a piece of plastic? Yeah, gun-shaped. Um, yeah. Violent crime reduction was once again used as a smokescreen to enact oppressive laws and deprive the law-abiding of their property. As part of the VCRA, an air gun can no longer be purchased by mail order, and the name and address of the purchase purchaser must be regis registered with the seller. <laughs> so, uh, private companies did... <clears throat> I hate to say well for themselves here, but they managed to stop um, airsoft guns and such being completely outlawed. Uh, so private companies got together and said, we will voluntarily register this stuff and keep a list for your perusal whenever you want to look at it. Yeah. It's so sad, but it's the only thing they could do to stop them being completely banned. Um, so, you know, uh, drama groups, uh, airsoft players, etc. All of that would have been completely wiped out. You would have been reduced to, uh, you know, like wood cutouts of guns. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and so they, they banded together, did a private registration method, which is like 10% less tyrannical than uh, an outright government registration method. Um, it's, it's a sad state of affairs where they, they take it upon themselves to do this as a they self-police to stop the government doing it because they know they can if they can be the ones in control they can they can stop it falling on the uh on the good people just like a little bit less and when when private citizens get pushed to that point that they self-flagellate that is that is a real death of rebellious attitude um and defiance to authority it's just it's just not there instead they they legislate themselves. Um, yeah, <laughs> it really says it all. Yeah, uh, we'll punish ourselves. We, you don't need to bother with the punishment. We'll do it ourselves. You, yeah, like, no, 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 no. yeah, we understand now. Like, please don't clamp down on us. We'll clamp down on us. <laughs> what? Um, and so the uh, we're almost at the end of uh, almost up to date. So 2009. Uh, talks with the British government were starting to devolve air gun laws to the Scottish Parliament. If and when the Scottish Parliament is given the power over air gun legislation, the Parliament has vowed to ban the sale of all air guns in Scotland. In the coming years, England will follow the Scottish example and air gun registration and eventual licensing sorry, an eventual licensing system will follow. The slippery slope is now in a vertical freefall, uh, Pierre Luty notes. Although, my opinion, the vertical freefall was of uh, uh, several decades prior, as I mentioned. It, it was, but what he talks about here didn't actually happen. Yeah, surprisingly, that's still in the works as of 2020. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how. I believe, I, I think Scotland, I, I don't know if, has Scotland outright banned air guns yet, you know? I have no idea. All I know is that I can go to the local outdoor store and still buy an air gun without a license. Ooh, that's the only thing I know. You lucky boy. I know, I should count my blessings. <laughs> kiss, kiss the queen on the cheek for allowing me such a freedom. Kiss the ring. <laughs> Bend the knee. Wishing. 
Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> the one's on her hand, Anglo. Um, oh, sorry, easily confused. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and so that um, we've got one last piece of legislation. So as of 2019, um, a type of action that our American friends will not be familiar with is the Mars trigger system. So as of 2019, Britain has banned um, the sale and possession of lever release action and manually actuated release system, or Mars rifles. And so now these were Britain's last holdout against uh, semi-automatic rifles. And so these are... um, You you see uh, companies like Franklin Armory developing various... Uh, Californian workarounds to semi-automatic rifles, so you can still have ARs that, like, you know, straight pulls and all sorts of weird systems where, uh, so uh, Mars guns are semi-automatic rifles that have been modified in a way that makes you pull the trigger twice to activate a bolt release with every firing of the rifle. Uh, the action is locked back, and the second trigger pull releases the action into battery. So this makes them not considered semi-automatics. So it's like, of course not. Yeah, it's just one of those technical little workarounds that the gun industry is forced to innovate and do to work to try and get a few extra years ahead of uh, gun control. But, oh uh, God, it's just objectively untrue for the government to say that's semi-automatic. That's I, absolutely I know, I know. falsehood. <laughs> Jesus. But, um, but of course, the second the government catches up and they're like, oh, they have some of these? Well, um... I, I guess we'll have to jump on that. We'll rewrite. We'll redefine everything to uh, to put the boot firmly back on the neck yeah. of oh, more, those more cheeky little buggers known as the citizenry are back at it again, finding workarounds. We better punish them. Yeah, like these guys are. I, I'm sure. Well, I I'll outright say I know for a fact <laughs> no cop has pulled up to a crime scene and ever been like, damn. If only these criminals didn't have manually actuated release system rifles. <laughs> like, it's, they're running amok. They're making a mockery of our laws. They are just killing and killing people because they don't need to. You know what? If you're in Britain, you can go out and find a Mac-10 on the black market. You can, have, you can, you can get AKs. You can get anything you want because that's, that's why it's called a black market. They're yeah. imported from, um, from Eastern Europe. They're, they're left over from uh, pre-ban. Uh, they are um, uh, modified and um, restored uh, blank firing weapons or um, display weapons that have you know had the the block in the barrel uh, drilled through and made <laughs> made fireable again. Um, th- there's a billion workarounds, and these are like these are really you don't even have to go through this much effort. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but yeah, guns, you will always have access to them. So these, this kind of legislation, it just punishes law-abiding people. It just tightens the boot on their neck saying, no, you're not an individual. You have no right to this. This is a privilege. Um, and the, the next thing they're looking at is uh, banning 50 cal rifles, which um, many Americans will be shocked to hear you can own a 50 cal rifle in England. It, again, it's as heavily uh, legislated as any other rifle. Um, and uh, you have to, so you have to, it's much like a pistol, uh, pre-1995, you have to have, pre-1996, sorry, you have to have uh, a good reason to own a 50 cal. 
And there is only one good reason to own a 50 cal in England, and that is you participate in long-range marksmanship competitions. So you have to have, there's only a handful of ranges that uh, handle such competitions in England. So if you're fortunate enough to live within a few hours of it, and your firearm certificate officer isn't feeling particularly nasty that day, they may grant you, uh, the crown may grant you the right to purchase a 50 cal, which are prohibitively expensive, even more so in England than they are in the US because there's such a low demand for them because there's so many hoops you have to jump through. So if, if they ban this, it would literally affect like three people. Seriously. What the hell is the point? So the firearm shop I used to work at, we did sell 50 cal rifles. Um, but during the time I worked there, it was, uh, they were under threat um, and they, they still are to this day. I, I haven't checked it as of this podcast, but I'm pretty sure they're still legal as of uh, February 2020. That I'm sure that's only going to last so much longer. Um, but due to the recent string of terrorist attacks in England, <laughs> the thing they jump on is like, well, we don't want them getting a 50 cal rifle. How are they going to get one? They, and I mean, I'm sure there's a few knocking around on the black market. If they want one, they will get one. It's, it's Yeah, and how are you going to make stuff on the black market more illegal? Yeah, like, please, please show me one... Please show me one Western terrorist attack that uses a 50 cal rifle. One anywhere. It's just, they're just using, again, they're being opportunistic and they're jumping on uh, recent fears to try and ban something completely irrelevant. Just anything. Um, and so that brings us up to date. We are, we are incapacitated as a nation. There's no way to resist your government. If they, if they, came to your house and said, get in the box car, which, I mean, we d- no one knows when that's going to happen. We, uh, we interned uh, Japanese citizens in the States um, in the 40s. Uh, we, some would argue um, there are camp-like situations in the US right now uh, at the border. There's, uh, I'm not going to get into that, but there's all sorts of situations where the individual should have a right to, to arms to prevent mistreatment that's just a human right that's your right to claws and teeth mm-hmm. and the british and, te- have technology not had and the, the knowledge on how to make and use stuff you can't ban yes. it yeah and, and uh so to expand on this person we've been referencing the entire episode uh pa luti he was a firearms activist a free speech advocate uh in britain um when, when was he active 90s i think uh, yes, he was, yes, uh, late 80s to 90s, and even uh, up until his death, he was still uh, in 2011, which uh, came two years after he finished writing the timeline we've been reading from. Um, he, he died of uh, cancer, um, but he, up until his death, they, they had to drop the case against him. The state had to drop the case against him because he died. They they badgered him about... So this man, um, he wrote uh, guides on creating um, weapons in your garage, homemade uh, firearms, uh, even 9mm uh, submachine guns. And he said, gun control does not work because you can do this anywhere. Anyone can do this in the strictest of countries. You will always be able to manufacture these. You cannot control guns or technology 
or the knowledge to make these things. Um, and, and the British government uh, wanted to make an example of him. And they, they did. Uh, they used uh, the Terrorism Act against him. Um, uh, they used illegal arms construction in the 90s. Uh, they sen sentenced him to four years of prison. Uh, he served it, and um, he, he was uh, just, just hounded. His, his whole life was dedicated in the end to uh, fighting this particular fight, and uh, they, they made his life hell for it. That's what the British government does. They are so authoritarian, they will ruin your life. It doesn't matter how peaceful you are. They will hound you until your deathbed. Don't you dare defy them. Absolutely not. Don't, don't show that their policies make no difference, that they're ineffective. Do not demonstrate these things. You will be made an example of. It's mm -hmm. that, that's that's their, their doctrine. Um, but, well, I always, 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 always have to stress that this, uh, it's, it's, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And America is rhyming very closely to this hymn sheet that we have here. If we take um, Reagan's act in the 80s as similar in scale to ours in the 20s, well, you've got another 60 years until you could be in the exact same position that Britain is in now. Yeah. That is, it, uh, within I mean, your lifetime, you could think America could be in exactly the same state as Britain. And this is not exclusive to Britain. This is all of Europe will have a very, very, very similar story. Even Switzerland is now getting rid of its guns uh, because of yeah. pressure from the European Union. Switzerland has been the only country alongside America in the Western world that has allowed civilians to own guns somewhat freely. It's, well, I mean, the, the it's Czech a Republic constant, as well. constant encroachment. Oh, yeah. And Poland's okay, too. So but Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe rightfully has a history. They're always off doing their own thing. So. Well, well because, because they were subject to um, tyranny under the USSR. They were slaughtered. You know, uh, citizens, they, they were defenseless and they, they suffered for it. And it's too fresh of a wound, the Cold War era, for, uh, for gun control to have taken... Um, too many strides over there it, it's that, starting to that, that wound will always close over if it's let it because i mean nazis had their way with france what have france got to what, what have they got left of it yeah nothing yeah, they're, in, they're in the same boat as britain is yep no different yeah i mean if, if it came down to a uh, you know spur of the moment invasion it would be it would be the same situation again like oh we, we're going to be airdropping guns into uh, france britain wherever it might be because the citizens are defenseless, they're being slaughtered in the street. It's, and it doesn't matter if it's a, a foreign or domestic threat. I mean, government can just as easily turn on its own. The uh, as as people historians often say, the first people to suffer under the Nazis were Germans. Your government can turn on you like that. And oh, and they uh, will. Yeah. <laughs> Give them the chance, uh, and they'll do it. Yeah, and again. Um, if, if you want a hardcore convincing argument, we've been dragging this on a while. Uh, definitely watch episode 125 of Uncensored Tactical. I can't hammer that home enough. It's a brilliant companion to what we've ranted on about here. So there's a few bullet points that weren't particularly hit during the timeline that I just want to quickly go over. So we've hit, we've hit a few of them. Actually, we've hit a lot of them. So I, I asked for uh, questions from, from uh, our followers, listeners, uh, pertaining to British gun laws. 
uh, are Californian laws tighter than British gun laws? And uh, I mean, if you've been listening, I'm sure you realize, yes, they, they most certainly are. Um, in California, honestly, Californian gun laws are a dream to the British shooter. Yeah, you can own one, so there's that. Yeah, you can own one. Um, you can't carry it, but you can go to the shop and, you know, with a waiting period and all the various red tape, you can still get one. Not for any good reason. You don't have to have a good reason to own a firearm in California, which is a, a Briton moving to California would like just breathe in that liberty. They would feel like <laughs> the chains are gone. I mean, the taxes would then just murder them after. But in terms of, uh, in terms of weapon laws, I mean, self-defense within your own home, perfectly allowable. Um, uh, semi-automatic rifles, perfectly allowable. Owning handguns, yep, do that. Um, shotguns with, so shotguns in Britain, um, you can have uh, three shells in a shotgun. That is the magazine limit. Interestingly, there's no limit on a rifle's magazine capacity, but seeing as they're not semi-auto, aside from 22s, it doesn't really do them much good. Um, so the magazine limits might be a bit jarring, but uh, shotguns, you can have unlimited magazine capacity. Well, actually, that might not be true. Might be talking out my, you know what? Um, they probably have a 10, ma- 10 round limit on, but still, I mean, compared to three, that's, that's quite a lot. I mean, skeet shooting is going to be a lot more fun in California than it is <laughs> in, uh, in Britain. Um, so yeah, I, California is infinitely freer than Britain in terms of gun laws, just to put it in perspective for our, uh, American friends. Um, uh, here's another interesting one. Was there ever a British pro gun movement? <laughs> Britain has a National Rifle Association, an NRA, believe it or not. Um, they, ah, God, they, they might be even more useless than the American NRA. They, they have done nothing. It's, ever. Know, it sounds unbelievable, but it's completely true. There's, it, it's basically just a forum for British gunners to get together and go, harumph, harumph, something must be done. We shall write letters to our, our uh, various representatives, and they do. And they get, um, you know, some intern working under them replies back. Oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. I'm sure to listen to my constituents. I went to a private school. I love, I love shooting foxes. Um, we will not be banning shotguns. You can write in about 50 cals or like handgun or whatever you, whatever you might, uh, might want to talk about. There was um, after the uh, London Bridge attacks a few years ago and the... Uh, Oh, damn it. What was that British soldier who was murdered? Uh, Lee Rigby. Lee Rigby, yes. Um, thank you. So after he was murdered, there was talk about um, even allowing armed service members to, to carry for their protection. <laughs> and that went nowhere. And oh, good Lord. There's just, there's nothing. Nothing is listened to. Um, so the pro-gun movement in England is, or Britain is effectively just a, a grumble society. They... And I, I'm I'm deeply apologetic to those who really do fight the good fight, but it, it just it falls on deaf ears. Um, politics is not the friend of the gun owner. It loosening regulations doesn't do anything for him. It plays against the game. They're they're you know long term goals. Um, British firearms owners, you know the Conservatives are not on your side. 
you know the only party really favoring your gun rights is the Libertarian Party. And unfortunately, they are minuscule at the minute. Yeah, we, we do be... have one, which surprises yeah, me. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's, that's news just to uh, a lot of our listeners. The British yeah. Libertarian Party. Uh, I mean, bless them. They are fighting the good fight. But again, politics um, in this particular agorist's opinion is not the way to go. Um, and that brings us to our closing topic of discussion. Um, so com- combating gun control cannot be done via politics, as I just said. Um, it unfortunately comes down to subversive action. We are at a point where we have done everything we possibly could to the point, um, you know, Pierre Luti, uh adamantly, uh, outspokenly, demonstrating how ineffective gun control is uh designing and building uh nine millimeter submachine guns in his garage and uh they 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 just chucked him in prison to make an example of him so um what, what do we do at this point we can't write into our politicians um if we if we outright say i'm doing this um they they arrest you they make an example of you so it comes down to um, the agorist worldview, which is living as freely as possible and circumventing state authority. Live as you please. Um, live peacefully, uh, but, but do what you want. Um, so 3D printing, it's a beautiful thing. It's about to hop 15 years at least ahead of gun control legislation. They are, they're still calling them clipperzines and ghost guns. Um, that's 90s stuff at this point. Um, once we start, I mean, so check out uh, pages like Control Pew and uh, look into 3D printing uh, for weapons. We'll get to the point um, you can design a, fu- a functioning firearm with nothing but plastic, some CAD files, and a cheap as hell printer. 3D printers. I believe it's oh, and, and, and and metal. You still do need metal for the, the yes, you do. Yeah, but metal. We're not saying a barrel or a bolt. Pieces of metal you can fabricate. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, what was it called? Uh, the FGC nine. And this should make any EU gun rights absolutist giddy. Um, the FGC9, it's a gun designed to be printed anywhere in the EU, or really anywhere uh, restrictive gun control uh, is in place. As long as you have a 3D printer, the appropriate materials, and uh, some time to print it, you can make an operating uh, closed bolt, a 9mm gun, semi-automatic. Um, and it functions pretty good. There's, there's a bunch of pages on Twitter and Instagram discussing it. Um, it's something we're going to be discussing on the show very soon, uh, getting into um, how to get into 3D printing. It's like I, like I said, it's very cheap around, I think, under 200 bucks. And I don't know how that would translate to British pricing. I haven't looked it up uh, on British websites, but the Ender 3 printer, I believe it's called. Uh, look into that. Crazy cheap. Um, you can end up building a functioning 9mm gun, semi-automatic for under 500 bucks, including the one, the one-time purchase of the printer itself. Anywhere, Mad. anywhere you can get a 3d printer, you can do that. I also, also, I want to point out in the States, 
specifically, you can print off a Glock 17 frame and apply all the parts to it and have get yourself a Glock without having to uh, do the background check and everything. So yes, that. you you uh you chuck the uh, slide on a uh, on the lower and it's it's good to go. I, yeah, I think yeah. you have to you have to have a few metal parts. Uh, oh yeah, it's mostly for it's, it's all key into parts. Yeah, so it's all Glock parts except for the the frame, and you need a rail to attach the slide to the frame. But that's it. You then got yourself a Glock, and the government yeah, but, doesn't even know about it. Yeah, and and this is very early days stuff. Uh, you have things oh, like so. Uh, people familiar with uh, World War II history, you'll know about uh, Liberator pistols being dropped in the front. Uh, there's now a 3D printed version where it's like a a single shot pistol, uh, very resistant style. You know, like a one use and then take whatever your oppressor has kind of weaponry yeah. but it's it's very important it's a it's, it's not it's just a working a fire with a plastic barrel it's it's insane yeah. absolutely it's like that is that the liberator is so um apt it's mm-hmm. having having a weapon uh puts you on not quite equal but more equal footing with uh with your oppressor whoever they may be once you are armed you have teeth and claws i can't i can't say that enough you need those things otherwise you're a subject and um so 3d printing is the future they will not be able to legislate this worth a damn much pa luti i I, i'm an atheist but i hope he is up there somewhere (laughs) looking down smile he would be ear to ear grinning at the thought of any person on this planet not an engineer because you know he he clearly had a mechanical mind any idiot can take a, a few CAD files, um, a printer, some plastic, some metal, and produce a functioning semi-automatic firearm. Yeah, that's uh, that's freedom. It sure is. And I, I said to you the other day, I uh, it is actually really, really saddening to me that he passed away at what was actually quite a young age because I could have shook his hand. He he, he would still be around in this country, still doing what he does, and I could have oh, met yeah. the man. Nine was, years ago, um, cancer took him, and that really actually makes me really sad. It, it's yeah, it's horrible. The man was um like a true diehard libertarian. Um, mm-hmm. the uh, the Libertarian Party put out a, a note on his death. Um, you know, sort of noting his work. Um, yeah, but that was one man. Imagine if any any uh, idiot ANCAP or agorist nerd about the country they. You can you can buy a three D printer. They're not registered yet, so buy one soon, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and build yourself one of these things uh, if you so please. I mean, it's what what can they do? <laughs> Subvert, create these things. Um, pe- most people say, well, what about ammunition? Well, there is currently a project uh, focusing on electronic primer ammunition, uh, all three D printed. They they want. Um, they want you to be able to print your ammunition. Uh, guy on Twitter, Sword of Gideon, at Sword of Gideon. Check him out. Uh, his first name's Austin. I forget the rest. But he is producing, he's a literal rocket scientist, producing uh, 3D printable ammunition um, that will have uh, substitute gunpowder, uh, electronic primers, which is actually better for accuracy for my ballistic nerds. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really groundbreaking. Uh, like space age stuff and when that comes about once we have 3d printed arms which we already have and will what will only continue to get uh, better and better there's 
3D printed AKs already. Like mm-hmm. they're amazing. They they show them hewing. They are spot on. Uh, really solid stuff. We're gonna see that for every every type type of firearm in the future. These things are only going to advance and advance. We're gonna look back on uh, like the uh, FGC9 and as archaic in two three years. It's it's advancing so rapidly because anyone can plug into this and start innovating with a CAD file. Um, yeah, gun control is effectively dead. So this dreary, uh, dystopian um, education of ours, I, it's good to end it on a positive note. And it's not it's not a falsehood. This is the future. We are we have effectively won gun control. You cannot enforce this. It's impossible. Um, we're gonna. We're going to do a full-on episode with Control plus Pew on 3D printing, but um, just to whet your appetite a little bit and to alleviate the, uh, the depression our Brits and, and Americans will be suffering, um, it does get better. Um, we're going to be advancing just decades at a time ahead of gun control at this rate, and there's nothing they can do about it, and it's beautiful. What time to be alive. Indeed. Um, I'm going to let my co-host get some beauty sleep. Uh, any final notes, my friend? Um, no, I think that is just about covered it. I'm very happy with everything <laughs> we, discuss, we discussed. Your pillow is calling um, you. Yeah, my brain stopped working, so there's that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, thank you for listening, people. Um, I hope this has been educational. Um, potentially, there's going to be a follow-up on this. Uh, of course, we're going to be discussing gun control. We are the e-militia. This is what we do. This is our core subject um, because gun rights, uh, they are just critical to your fundamental natural rights and uh, protecting them. Um, we will constantly be talking about this. And yeah, if, uh, if you liked what you heard, um, check us out on the, if you're, a, if you're new to us, um, check us out on Instagram. That's the main place where you will find us. Um, I'm at bloody.revolutions. Uh, my I friend am here. at anglo.libertarian and we're also on Twitter um, if you listen to the podcast uh, you can find us I mean you already listen to us but you can listen to us on anything uh, YouTube any of the good podcatchers Spotify Google Podcasts iTunes all that good stuff um, yes share this with someone if they don't know about British gun control and as I said earlier definitely check out um, Uncensored Tacticals episode on gun ownership episode 125 um, thanks for listening people I hope you learned something and uh, see you next time. Adios, amigos.